Hello, and welcome to another episode of Life's Difficult, a podcast where we discuss the many challenging aspects of modern life and how we go about tackling them. I'm Mikhail, and as always, I'm joined by my conversation partner, Milos. How's it going? Hello. Good. Good. How are you? Uh, recovering from illness, but uh, feeling a fair bit better, so I'm hoping I'm not going to cough and clear my throat too much in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said that I felt the need to clear my throat, thank you for you passing what? on the... <clears throat> Awesome. And, <laughs> and uh, well, we, we, we switched back to these old mics as well, so we don't have the uh, luxury of just putting the mic away from our, from our face and, yeah. and clearing yeah. our throat. Yeah, because that audio equipment sucked. So we learned something. Don't buy your audio equipment from a uh, used audio equipment place. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... Get the new shit. Th- these are the hiccups of early podcasting, so okay. it's all part of the process, but... Our last episode was really botched. I don't know um, in what form it's going to come out or how it's going to come out. Like we, we got about like 30, 40 minutes of video before it cut off or, and my, my audio or like my mic was acting up. So I think we'll still try to release it in some form just to get it out it'll there. A, yeah, it'll be a Frankenstein. But uh, yeah, we, we definitely apologize for that one. The one before that, the one on fandom, um, the video's fine. The audio might be a little bit spotty, but I think that's actually a really good podcast. So I hope you guys, uh, if you haven't, go listen to it because that, that's a, that's, that was, that was a, a lot one. of fun. That was yeah. a fun one. And uh, hopefully going forward, video and audio is all good. And, uh, and yeah. But so this week we're discussing um, the difficulty with self-help. And I feel like we've in some ways been circling this topic for a while because I think you've mentioned several times over that you were big into self-help in the past and still are to some degree. I still am, yeah. And and in certain other podcast episodes, it's just come up kind of uh, in the periphery. Uh, So I guess you should just start with what is self-help? Like not in terms of just some definition, but Mm -hmm. what does it look like? What's what's commonly associated with self-help? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge industry. Uh, There's a lot of, I mean... You can look at it from a bunch of different angles. Obviously, it's this big industry that we all know of. We've seen the books. You know, it's 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 a mix of. I think back in the day, it used to be a lot more of like someone just talks to you about your attitude and stuff. It like starts with people like Jim Rohn, then Tony Robbins, and all this stuff. I think in the last maybe 15, 20 years, it's become more like the pop psych take has been has come off. Yeah. So the it, the, the the big person here, especially in the last like five or so years, is Jordan Peterson with his rules for life. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's one of them. He's he's more like yeah. So, well, I think what he illustrates is that there's many dimensions to self help, so it doesn't all oh, have so to, many, yeah. Right, like we're gonna discuss this large spectrum between like fairly cynical market uh, money grabs to really like well reasoned, well thought out, psychologically backed, you know. Uh, People who are really well-meaning trying to put something out there, yeah. they wouldn't even necessarily consider it self-help. It's the same way where in this podcast, we're not, we don't consider ourselves self-help, but I guess in some ways this podcast falls under that as well. Yeah. Right? So Until but, our cult is launched, then we'll have our own self-help programs. We'll yeah. help you learn. It's like Dianetics, the, but better, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> the cult is coming. It's just had a few hiccups along the way. Um <laughs> And and so yes, the way I see uh, self help is basically anything that gives people the 
some avenue to uh, self improvement. Um, yeah, a prescription almost. It's 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 one of yeah, it's, a it's, million it's, ways to get a prescription for how to be better. It's definitely like a normative thing. You ought to do this to make your life better. Yeah. Whether it's in a business sense or making you more psychologically healthy or uh, just you know getting out of uh, overcoming anxiety being able to talk to women for for yeah. men like stuff like that it all kind of falls under uh yeah. it's a huge umbrella and i mean you could also include another another aspect of it is like the extreme spiritual crazies like well not crazy but you know like you can look at it as like your eckhart tolls mm-hmm. and your um uh, who's some other guys in that field like maybe like uh i think it's stephen dawkins or i think that's his name i was i don't know there's another big spiritual dude who's, who's also pretty popular mm-hmm. um and you look at it through that lens too right a lot of a lot of the eastern philosophy gets put in with like the self-help stuff to create some of these more spiritual side of it would you consider versus... meditation as a part of self-help oh hell yeah i mean yeah okay i mean it's it's clearly its own thing meditation is its own thing but has the self-help community and industry at large like like taking that for them oh yeah but i mean well i'm, I'm looking at a big umbrella right Umbre- yeah. a big umbrella self-help is anything any any form of media that you're going to interact with with the express goal of improving yourself or something about yourself and when you start like that it's like this massive field just humongous yeah because i think uh, a lot of eastern traditions that have been maybe uh lost through time or simply was just never presented to the West in any like mainstream way mm-hmm. is now being carried over through self-help and often smuggled in via uh, meditation. And when I say smuggled, I don't mean it in like an ugly way. I just mean yeah. along with meditation, you get, get some Eastern uh, insights that might be helpful with the yeah. whole It's actually been happening a process. long time. I think it was like in the seventies that Alan Watts started. He was like yes, one of the first guys yes, who yes, brought yes. over kind of Eastern philosophy to the West. And I think like, I really think that that whole thing blew off with like the early, I don't know, I don't know how far back it goes, but you can definitely trace like the seventies to an interest in, you know, the East all of a sudden that came up in North America. The hippie culture West. as well, hippie right? Culture. Cause you're doing psychedelics and yeah, doing other drugs and yeah, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there was that influence that turned into something. Self-help actually has a crazy cool history when you look back. I mean, personally, I'm a self-help nerd. But I think there's mm. been a lot of big names in it. And you actually even see, like, it's been around for a really long time. Like, quote-unquote, like, magazines on how to teach people how to gain success have been around since, like, shortly after the printing press. Mm-hmm. I think I told you about this. So I might get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure that, um, oh, what, the, what was the name? Benjamin Franklin basically had a series of, um, I think I, he had a pseudonym. I think it was called Poor Richard. And he basically wrote, like literally Benjamin Franklin, back in the time of like, you know, early America, wrote these like little, uh, these little, uh, I think they were articles that then got put into books Mm -hmm. about like basic self-help principles. But again, back then it wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't just like, okay, how to, you know, have a good attitude, have this. It was also, he also told him stuff like, you know, how to invest wisely, you know, make sure the 10% of everything you earn, you can keep for yourself. So there's, uh, it has a crazy long, and like, even like, if you think about religion was, early self-help it was like how do you be less of a you know well, so th- th- that that just goes to the appeal of it right it's like everybody is looking for certain steps guideposts parameters in which to operate and live uh, a good life mm-hmm. and spirituality and religion often had basically complete uh, 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 dictatorship over that realm 
and now yeah um, to an extent i mean we actually I, I don't know i don't know what the history is i imagine because imagine back in rome they were pretty mercantile as an example and they were pretty commercial so i don't no, know I, I just mean like the modern west has come from the you know the abrahamic yeah faiths and and uh again just broadly speaking uh yes you could say uh post enlightenment a bunch of new streams of thought have come about through you know certain philosophical disc discourse and scientific discourse and all that but just broadly speaking for the past few hundred years everything to do with living a good life has been the domain of religion yeah and philosophy and and now uh with religion receding in the western world right um something needs to kind of bring meaning to people's lives give them structure give them a reason to you know get out of bed in the morning and do something yeah. and self-help has been has jumped in to fill that void for better and worse yeah i mean and that's actually kind of a funny place to start with like the idea of a, so that's like looking at self-help as a bigger entity but then when you actually get into it you start to see that there's uh there's a lot of there's a lot of bullshit in 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 the ocean. <laughs> There's a lot of bullshit in, in this in this. There's spot, a lot of bullshit right? in religion too, right? Like yeah. The, 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 trying to guide people's lives and give prescriptions for a good life, uh, whenever it goes past a certain uh, uh, amount of like granularity and like in detail, it tends to break down because you can't have give universal rules beyond like the broad strokes, like getting foundational principles and then living life through those. But like. Religion will often tell you a bunch of good things and then have something else added on where you're like, what does this have to do but with I, anything? And self-help yeah. has that element too. I think, I think the main issue with religion though is that it was, it was old school. They used that stuff. I mean, you can have whatever views you want on it. I think religion was also used as like a political tool largely, whereas self-help is, at least the industry that we see now, it's less politically motivated. It's more motivated by money and commerce in the background, right? But it, it, it goes back to a certain the cynical side of trying to guide people's lives, right? Mm. So religion had political dimensions, self-help has monetary and just self-serving dimensions too. So it all goes back to when you're in control of people's lives, that can easily go to your head. That's a dangerous thing to be dealing with. And that's, that, that is the difficulty with self-help. If it comes down to it, it's that you, you've got figureheads telling people what to do. And these people, it, it, you know, the, the cult jokes aside, it takes on a cultish uh, 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 hue to to it because you've got these figureheads telling people how to live, and these people are in love with these people because they they've transformed their lives. It's given their lives meaning. So yeah, it, it does take on that. That's then the uh, where it gets pretty ugly. I don't. I mean, I actually don't. I don't. I think the vast majority of self help is is not that. I think those are rare people who actually. Because I, I actually think that the vast majority of self help is people who've tried something and it didn't work, and then they just went back to whatever. I think it's like five percent that actually get something good out of it. For and I, I not necessarily to say that that's a problem with the self help industry. I think that that might be a problem with us as well as people and how we consume content. But mm. I do think that I think it's a little bit extreme. Like you're right, there are some cults, there are some people who are crazy. You definitely like I, I've done the Tony Robbins seminars and I've gotten close to people who got close to Tony, and you kind of have this feeling from them where like, whoa, you're like, you are in the gravity. You're like your whole life is around this thing, and. Again, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want to judge it right away as bad because I think that, uh, yeah, for 
For some people, it becomes a religion. It becomes the one way through which they perceive the world and they choose this one lens. But I think the more interesting way to look at it is it's like, let's say you're not one of the people who's going to get caught in the spider's web. You know what I mean? Let's mm -hmm. say you're the person who can go and, and taste a bunch of the flowers of, of self-help and see what's there. I actually think that it's, it's like, you're right. If you get caught into that stuff, then that's a problem for you. It's troublesome. But I think for a lot of people, they can go through and, and listen to all these different people's views on, on self-help. Because ultimately, in a lot of ways, different people's views on self-help is they're trying to speak to the human condition in a way that lets you take an active, uh, an active role in developing yourself and shaping your character, right? Yeah, typically it has some, even if it's not explicitly said, it has some role of like the free individual, the uh, having absolute free will and being able to yeah. self-determine your life. Yeah. Which I think is incoherent, but I, I can see the appeal of that. It's it's so appealing to say like, despite my circumstances, the family I was. Uh, that raised me, the people around me, where I was born, the socioeconomic status that I was brought into, I can change whatever if I have the right mindset, right? Like just the right mindset will will get me uh, through the day and make me successful in whatever yeah. way I want to be. So that's very alluring and it's, it's and in a lot of ways it, it is helpful to think that way even if it's not like fully rational. Mm -hmm. um, Do you think that's bullshit? What? That like somebody could just with their mindset figure the shit out. No, of course that's bullshit. Like some people are, are start at zero and they they have no way out. That's why I'm not a conservative, right? Like that's why I think conservatism is is, is it, while it has many things that I find value in the overarching like American conservatism. Again, it seems to be like split and transforming today. So I'm just talking about like more 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 like. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, American conservatism uh, really is not for me because I think some people are born into circumstances that they just cannot transcend without a little bit of assistance. Um, and this, this is true of usually successful people too, right? But we, like most of the really successful people uh, that you see on TV and stuff that, you know, even the, in the Trumps and the Musks, they've got a bunch of handouts. They've got a bunch of backing from whether it's family or friends or whatever or government even um so yeah I, I i in an absolutist way i think that's a very distorted way of seeing the world and it can even lead to distaste for poor people and distaste for people who struggle because you think like oh you actually if you did just work harder if you just did have the right mindset you could overcome this so no i think that's like a fairly like ugly conservative attitude i think that's a shallow way of looking at it though and i think that's a big problem with no but that's how people, people do view. look at it well but but that's, let me that's let me my point. let me point it out this way if there's this idea of like there's a there's a paradox in it you can do anything that you want but there's obviously limitations then mm -hmm. this is this is the one of the paradoxes of life and this is one of the places where i think people kind of just they kind of, they, they ask self-help to do something they can't do and then they're like, oh, it's stupid. It's like, look, if you're five foot two and your dream is to play in the NBA, probably not going to happen no matter how good you are because you're just going to, you're like a child playing with giants. It's, mm -hmm. It can't happen. However, to that same degree, whatever that idea of like playing in the NBA meant for you, that, that if, you, if you take that and you don't look at it necessarily as like a physical goal, you start looking at it as like, 
what does the person want from this? What is the actual thing that they're trying to get out of this? They want to be maybe famous. They want to feel accomplished. They want to do something where the odds are against them. They want to do this. They want to do that. It's like if you can. So when you look at it as absolutist from the vision of can anybody complete any physical task in this world? It's like obviously not. Mm-hmm. But can you go to something that would achieve the same kind of result inside? Because I mean, at the end of the day, what does it feel like to play in the NBA? It feels freaking amazing. It feels like, you know what I mean? Like, what are you after? What can you actually get to? I think there's a little bit of a, and, and I think this is one of the issues with the way that self-help is both sold and the way that we look at the world is this idea of like, well, if I can't get the thing that I say that I want in this certain moment, then A, there's, you know, then A, what, whoever's trying to lead me there is full of shit. And B, whoever says that anything is possible is full of shit. And it's like, yes, you're correct in saying that there are physical limitations. There's always physical limitations. But to take that, but I think that the problem is the idea that you can do anything is based on this idea, not that you are, that you actually have every single possibility open to you, but that you within yourself have mass amounts of untapped potential mm-hmm. that could get you something that you actually might value more. That 5'2 person who can't get in the NBA might actually find someone else that they're great at and, and strive to great heights somewhere else, but they have to unlock that potential within them. And I think that's where, that's where the, the black and white side comes in of, 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 of self-help. There's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit in there, but there's also a lot of good in there because if you, if you can keep to... It, again, it, it's tough because you're working with something that's like we don't really know how much potential anybody has, but everyone who's ever, you know, been in a very confident state and then been in a very shitty state understands that when they were very confident, a lot of things seemed possible and easy to them and they're probably able to act with more um, like personal power. That's a shitty way to say, but it's like you, you were able to act with more intent and more, um, more like gusto, enthusiasm than say when you were feeling like crap. Yeah, so... Um, I don't disagree with any of, I don't think that's even a paradox, right? That's just tempering expectation and this whole podcast ultimately is going to, to some degree or another, come down to take the good and discard the bad from self-help and self-help Vegas, right? So it's just, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be, and it's gonna be true of most advice that you can give, right? You, you, you want to do some version of like figuring out what's valuable and, and, taking that on board, not being dogmatic about it, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree there at all. I'm just, that's, that's not what I was talking about, right? Like, uh, that, that, that mindset might be hugely useful to us, right? Uh, who are upper middle class or above and uh, are living in, in Toronto, Canada with a fairly robust, you know, social welfare system and all that kind of stuff as a safety net. But, like, there's some people who are born into crippling poverty. They have drug-addled parents. They, there's no job to get. There are no jobs to... Like, 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 what's the issue with the whole Midwest and the U.S.? Like, all these factory jobs have left. They don't have... And they've just now turned to addiction, you know, like, with, with opioids. So, yeah, look, majority of this podcast is, uh, is going to be talking with... with with an eye for probably middle class and above people who are like in decent enough circumstances, but like, I don't agree with that, but like (laughs) the, the, 
my my pushback wasn't coming for, for for those people. It's coming for there's some people who can't get out, and the American right traditionally has not re- their their response has been yeah we cut taxes and get the government out of the way, and if only the government got out of the way, those people could actually start thriving. And that's yeah, just, but I that's, mean, that, that's that's obviously political bullshit. I think the truth is nuanced. It's on the one hand, you saying that they can't get themselves out is I think. I think that's very, it's a fatalistic view that you should never have of human beings because human beings have been over and over again proven that in the most insane circumstances, for some reason, we're able to get through all kinds of stuff. So I think, I, and that's I understand. That's viewing humanity as a collective. Individually, people were trampled along the way trying their best. Like that's Yeah, not, but it also. Most of, you, most of human history has been the little guy working his ass off, trying really hard, and still living in squalid, terrible, suffering conditions and dying. That's the mo- majority of human history. Yeah, this, but this it keeps mindset that, you, that, that, yeah, so... And it keeps getting w- back because people keep trying to improve what they can. It's like yeah, so little... sh- okay, but those are two separate things, right? Like, you want to have belief in humanity and belief that things will keep getting better, otherwise it's sort of nihilism and you're kind of just giving up on the human project. That doesn't mean you need to delude yourself about the past and what what humanity has been. Humanity has been disease, poverty, suffering, oppression, etc. for the vast majority of its existence. Where the people worked harder than you and I could believe. With the, they could have taken on whatever mindset possible. It's not, it, a mindset's not going to help you if you're a slave, right? A mindset is not going to help you. I mean, it could help you in, in a marginal way, but you're not going to like... Uh, meaningfully change your, your circumstances if you lived in the vast majority of human history where you were basically like an indentured servant so or you had issue, crippling disease coming. Who did live in those circumstances and they did improve their... Like, yeah, they, th- that's, they, that's a the, massive the minority. Tricky, why the, the tr- would, yeah, but... Why, why, why would you look at prescriptions for all of humanity and then apply... It's actually a very... I have a huge... Yeah. Why would you look at a tiny minority of humanity and apply that to the most of humanity? Because that's how we improve. Because I think, and that's something that I have a huge no, problem with that, in general. That's, that's so, that's well, a, I think me, that's an awful let me, way let me, point this, let me point this out to you. There was a time when a vast minority of the world was literate. Mm-hmm. And the belief was that only a vast minority of the world could be literate. Yeah. Then we changed our thought point on that. Now we said everybody can be literate. And what happened? Well, now we have a a much better world because everyone's fucking literate. Everyone can read. Yeah. There's this idea of like, and this is actually one of my biggest problems with just psychology in general. Why I think psychology is is the the pursuit of what and and just a lot of the research that we do, I think, is not helpful to people in the way that we think it is. Because when you look at the average person and you say, okay, well, average people are like this, so therefore your goal should be average. I think it makes perfect sense in in the medical society, in the medical field. Mm. What is the average level of liver, cytokinase, or some random chemical in the body. I think it's safe to say that all humanity should try to have the same amount because all humanity has, most humanity has a decent functioning liver. When you get into the self-help world, when you get into the psychological world, when you get into the sociological world, and you start saying, well, most of society has been like this, so therefore we need to think of what can we do for most society. It's like we've progressed as people because a couple of people said, hey, we can live differently, and then they showed other people, and we're like, oh, damn, these people were right. So to me, it's like this idea of like, you don't want to look at those exceptions that went through those terrible times 
like again, there's been examples of people in 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 ancient Rome and ancient Greece who start off as slaves, then became scribes, then became yeah, you know yeah, landowners. Yeah. They bought their way out, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to look at those people. But to me, it's like I think if anything, and again, this is I don't think that this necessarily has to come in clash with what you were saying about people needing a hand up. I think people do need a hand up regardless. It's it's like yeah. it's 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 part of the world. No, like again, we are we have so much power over our own lives, but ultimately. A meteor could come and hit, kill us. Somebody, a, a random car can, like, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's always that level of you rolling the dice with life. But then there's also this aspect of, like, if we were to look at what the smartest people, what the best people, what the people with the, with the most success are doing differently than the rest of us, mm-hmm. then the idea is that we could start to take on some of their actions. Now, the, the concept here is let's, 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 let's avoid certain confounds. One of the ones that everyone thinks is, well, the people who are succeeding are just smarter. Is there a higher IQ at the top? Yes, to an extent, but not, not completely, not just as like, it's not just like you're guaranteed. If you have a high IQ, you're going to do better in life. You probably will. There's a, there's a high chance that you will. More of the distribution curve of high, yeah. yeah, highly correlated, but you still have people with high IQs who are terrible life and you still have people with low IQs who absolutely kill it. So to me, it's like, I think that the coolest part about self-help and what I love about the whole, that, that whole genre of thought and, and psych, um, philosophy, psychology, self-help, all the stuff that looks at how we can do better is trying to take a look at who these outliers are and how we can move the whole distribution curve up towards them instead of looking at what the standard distribution is and trying to make everybody just the standard distribution. Yeah, so a couple of things there. I think in part we were talking past each other a bit earlier because I was talking about governmental function, whereas I think you're yeah. talking about societal prescriptions. Gov- governmental function, I agree with you to an extent because I think politics in and of itself is they try to make things too simple and try and and like you're right when you said it's not just like the your initial political argument like why you don't like the conservatives because they just trying to say pull up your bootstraps let Mm. everybody go crazy yes i agree with you there has to be some level of baseline bringing everybody up Mm -hmm. but i don't think that that is separate from saying that you know that's one way you can bring people up through like bringing up from the top down but you also have to think about bringing people up from the individual up where they need to change their mentalities Yeah, as of well. course. Hand-in-hand uh, hand with that is once the government helps you out, you need the right mindset to keep yeah. rising, right? Um, so yeah, uh, all, all that said, I, I would also just add there, like what, what, what you were just saying about... Uh, um, what, was the end of your, what, was the, what was the end of your argument right now? Um, the end of it was that um <laughs> yeah. hold on wait I, i'll get it i'll get it give me a second <laughs> <laughs> swear to god i'm not high swear this is sober me um so i was saying how um it's like you don't want to take the uh, you want to look at the outliers yeah and you yeah, want to shift yeah, up yeah, towards yeah, exactly. them rather than so that just doesn't i i think it depends how you mean that mm-hmm. right like so if you're talking about certain mindset things that has have helped them along or something, fine. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't want everybody to be a billionaire entrepreneur. That's, mm-hmm. that's not, unfortunately, society can't function without farmers and yeah. bus drivers and all that stuff. And they need to find satisfaction in their work and still be able to face life in a in a in a, in a way that they find meaning meaningful and valuable. And so. This this is where we need to be. We can't be talking too broadly about self help anymore, because then it's very easy to misunderstand each other. Um, because I think like a Jordan Peter uh, Peterson esque self help is super valuable there, because a big part of what he says um, 
again, put all his other baggage aside. We're just talking about the self-help aspect here. Um, My fellow religious brothers. <laughs> his last YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, like put, put modern day prophet JP aside yeah. and, and just like his self-help aspect of it. Yeah. A lot of it is just like finding value in like even trivial sort of tasks and work and like yep. just yeah really facing each day and getting value out of it just by the fact that you worked hard and just that you you know gave yeah. it your best shot and I think that's that's great versus some of the successful like multimillionaire business type self help is like potentially really unhealthy for the average person because it's just like yeah always like drop everything and give it a shot and you can always work harder and you can always do more and it's all like mm -hmm. you know you know I, I i can i'll stop when i'm dead kind of attitude and like that's that's not a way uh, that's not any path to a good life that can be a path to uh, a good life for some people but like trying to universalize that is is hugely yes. uh, destructive think, to the average man i think i think exactly i think it so it's so funny because on the one hand, I think the advice can be very uh, helpful. And I think that everybody could take, everyone who isn't achieving everything that they want in life could definitely take a portion of that attitude of like, I'll stop when I'm dead kind of thing. Just not the whole thing, but a portion of it and it would be beneficial. But I think what, and, and this is actually one of the huge problems in the self-help industry. And I think just in general with all this stuff is that um, I would even go so far as to say, you're pointing out the, uh, the, I, I, I the turning of these people into idols yeah, and yeah, into yeah. strict role models. And that's exactly, and I think you're absolutely right. That's where it gets really ugly because someone looks at a David Goggins and they think, oh, I want to be a badass like David Goggins. I want to do all this stuff. I'm going to run till my knees give out and do all this stuff. And I'm just going to go crazy. And it's like, yeah. you have to understand David Goggins tells his story in a way that it makes sense. He, he was like a lot of people, because just to give an example, David Goggins has this one part where he loves to say that he was like 300 pounds, he was depressed, and he, and I'm, I might be misquoting yeah, it here, yeah, check yeah. it, get it from the source, but essentially he's, he's huge, he's depressed, he starts saying, you know what, forget it, I'm going to run as much as I can, I'm going to run every day, I'm going to get on the bike every day, I'm going to do this stuff every day. People hear that and they go, I'll take the same attitude. And the part that David Goggins forgot to tell you is that that point of his life was actually after he had already been in the army to, or after he, I think that was after he failed to do buds or something. Yeah. He, he, I think he, he ended up, uh, trying for buds like several times. Yeah. Over, and right? failing. So, and then, so he was an, what I'm trying to say is he was an immensely, he, he's genetically gifted. He, that too. He clearly has incredible drive, incredible motivation, all that stuff, but he couldn't have, he's not your average man. He's no. not your every man. If you at read all. his, if you, have you read his biography? No, but I've, I've seen so it's many dark. interviews of, of his yeah. where he, he had a dark into, childhood growing up. Yeah, Very his, his 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 family life sounds horrific. Yeah, um, but just even even to that, like, if you hear the story of I was three hundred pounds and I ran every day, and you're like, I should do that too. Mm -hmm. You have to remember that there was also a story before that where he was an amazing athlete for a long time before he let himself devolve to that. Stage. See, this is this for me like that's just like the perfect easy example of what we're talking about there. Take the kernel of the, of value there, which is. Do what you can, even yeah. when you're overweight, even when you're somehow inhibited, whatever it might be. Do what you can every day to start going. Yeah. You don't have to then become an ultra marathon runner. You can simply lose some amount of weight yeah. and feel better about your life. And that's still fantastic. And you, you can become that. I think the, the, the issue is that like you can become an ultra marathon runner if you so choose. But the issue is that people feel like they need to. It's this thing where it's like 
there's so this is and this is a tough one too where one of the best I think pieces of advice that I've ever heard in the self-help community came from the NLP model and the NLP people always tell you find the people who have what you want and model them mm-hmm. and I think there's so much power in doing that but I think we almost do it at two uh, I think that advice is something that can become a poison because people and I think it's what people often look at is they look at a David Goggins and think I have to take on all of David Goggins' traits to get all the results that he has when really you only need to take a portion of it to improve your results in a certain direction. And also you have to accept that there's some results that he has that you'll probably never get. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's almost comes down to a, like a bigger phenomenon, maybe more in like the manosphere, right? Where I think there are a lot of young men in particular who are looking for direction, looking for validation, all this kind of stuff. And these figures come, these larger-than-life figures, whether... And, and yeah, we, we're... Right now, it's Andrew Tate. He's everywhere right now. Mm, yeah, well, he, he's, he seems to be a really ugly form of it. But, like, you know, David Goggins or Jocko Willink are, for me, really yeah. healthy kind of... They seem very, like very decent, upstanding people in a way that Tate doesn't seem to be at all. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, but... but uh, <laughs> I think Tate's more in the line of like the Dan Bilzerians, the next yeah, um, the next crazier version of him. But not even any anyway. Yeah, Dan that's, that's, wasn't that far gone. Yeah, anyway, sorry. But 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 like, but like you know these 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 prototypical alpha males, big jacked sort of guys, and mm-hmm. it's almost like you know there's a concept of stolen valor where you make up a story about, about something that happened in the military. Yeah. The, it's like there's like this proto concept. Like it's not it's not got a name yet, but it's like stolen alpha maleness or like stolen whatever it's like machismo whatever it is right that you're trying yeah. to get it's like yeah i too am like david goggins i do his exact routine i'm running the same way i talk the same way he's my model yeah it's like now i too and am, am you know an alpha male and it's like i get it i get the appeal especially as a young man but it's again it's unhealthy it leads to sort of like idol worship with exactly, these guys yeah. and it's and it becomes problematic it's also like you know th- these guys are also just showing you some portion of themselves they're it's not showing you the nitty-gritty of all their their lives and their hang-ups and their issues and what they're working with so like mm-hmm. trying to like apply just the best of them to yourself uh is valuable in the, in the sense of like again like the core principles and stuff but like it's not valuable and I can just become like them because you yeah. don't you don't have their lives you don't know what they went yeah. through you like and you might like and you probably don't want it you want to have your own version of it that's the better way to have it yeah it's all these things are like tools or social tools or like life tools that they're handing you and then you use them in the you know in 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 the lock that fits you or you know, I'm yeah just jumping around with this metaphor but you know like. Then you put your gas in the right car that takes you to an airport that you fly to your goal instead of doing it the <laughs> Exactly. And I'm sure that that is all the people. And you need can to read more now. about that in our uh, Fly Your Plane people. Book fly your plane. Called Fly That's Your Plane to the Car. <laughs> um But but yeah, you know what I mean? It it's yeah. it's but yeah, I, again it's I imagine if this stuff had come come about um when i was whatever 18 it would have been so intoxicating and it would have led to a lot of good results too right so that's that's the thing it's like most of the stuff is the good with the bad it's it's the, it's the yep. same way where we're talking about certain self-help and and religion just taking religion for, for example 
it can make you very generous and give to charity and all this stuff. But then classically, it might have also made you like a homophobe, right? And so it's the same thing with self-help. It's like you could get out of a rut, work through your anxiety, start talking to girls, all this kind of stuff. But it could also give you some negative attitudes on the, on the flip side of it. And so that's why take the positive, discard the negative. Don't have, you don't think, have yeah. to inhale all of it. You can just take I a sniff I think beyond that, I think beyond that, the other thing that uh, needs to be said and isn't said enough is that there's a million pathways to every kind of success that you want to get. Yes. And I think that's a big thing because in the same vein of the idol worship, the problem with a lot of the idol worship, and, and this actually plays into a part that we haven't talked enough about, which is the commercial aspect of it. I think that the commercial aspect of it actually encourages the idol worship because if I can make people believe that my way is the fastest, most effective way to go X, Y, Z, and I can shit talk other people's ways, then mm. I can make more money than them. Yeah. And ironically, I mean, we, we both worked as digital marketers. One of the uh, many books that I've read on, on, on copywriting for digital marketing specifically mm. always talk about these exact same principles. You want to... Um, you want to give somebody the promise, you know, like uh, Russell Brunson talks about in one of his books where he's like, uh, it's funny, recently he showed me, uh, uh, it's another tangent, but uh, it's like that, that like the, the forever promise, you, 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 uh, you assuage their fears, you throw rocks at the people that didn't, that the, the stuff that didn't work for them, you, you make them a, a guaranteed promise, you uh, explain why what they're doing now is wrong and why your vehicle is the best. Like there's like this whole thing, there's like this mm -hmm. whole framework of, of yeah. persuasion that you put people through and it's such a funny thing too because this is where I think even with the nuance, like you said, keep the good, discard the bad, but understand that they're both so intricately entwined in a lot of ways because the commercial aspect is these yeah, people need yeah. to get, they, they quote unquote need to get their message out, especially the good ones, the ones that have something great to say, they need to get it out there, but to get it out there, they have to follow certain principles marketing to blow principles. up, market principles. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. same marketing principles may or may not contribute to people around us, to the general population, understanding these guys as the only way to get somewhere. And I also think there's, there's, it's, it's not, we can't just blame it on the marketing and on the people because I think as a population, a lot of us are very easily overwhelmed when it comes to, um, uh, I guess, in, when, when we have to interact with this whole concept of self-development and self-improvement, I think a lot of us are very easily overwhelmed because you can look at it through so many different aspects and avenues, like the mental health aspect. So many people are having anxiety, depression, problems with their own, like, um, their own emotional, internal life, yeah, life yeah, that yeah. it's hard for them to separate that from also their goal-striving life from the fact that maybe they, like, again, you think of the three major things, health, wealth, relationships. Everybody wants to make more money, have better relationships, whether that means their personal relationship or their or finding, a, or finding a relationship, right? It's either you have mm -hmm. your spouse or you're looking for your spouse and wealth. Everybody wants more money, right? Or sorry, health. I don't know which one I didn't touch. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, but, all but, three yeah, of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Basic things. So these are all things that these people in a way want to help you get to, but to be able to help you get to it, they have to market it to you. And I think we as a population are so kind of in some ways run down that we just, we're like, nobody wants to hear the fact that like, yeah, you're going to have to read 60 books on, 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 on uh, like wealth creation before you even start to understand wealth creation. Or you're going to get lucky. You're going to get in the lane and you know, you've got something already that you can learn from. But the average person is going to have to read like a ton of books. The average person is going to have to read a ton of things about their mental health issues before they actually are able to make 
real progress in it. They're gonna have to do a ton of, you know what I mean? Yeah. All these things are a big amount of work, so I think we actually get lazy and we try to submit to, okay, great leader, take me there. I don't wanna have to, you know? And that creates this problem where it's hard because everyone around you is like, oh, great leader. Like, I, I follow yeah, the I mean, Andrew Tate methodology. I'm the David Goggins guy. I'm the it, this. It, it, it does go both ways because marketing is also influenced by the response it gets, right? Yeah. So we, we, we live in a shortcut culture, right? Like, this, the, 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 this vitamin is going to finally change your workouts or make you feel so much better or this nootropic is going to suddenly make you sharp and make work so much easier, all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And so marketing is gearing itself to those people. It's and it might have driven people there as well. So it's like ticking in the egg a little bit, yeah, for sure. But we, sell, we find out that shortcuts sell, so we sell more shortcuts. So people start to want more shortcuts. So people start believing shortcuts. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah so the, the, you're It's right. playing upon what's there, but then it might have exacerbated what was there too. And yes. it just goes on and yes. on. And I mean, this speaks to... So, Another part of this that I think is very interesting to look at, and I think, so we, we look at the commercial aspect, but I think from a personal level, what I think is so cool about looking, like if you really wanna narrow down one of the biggest issues with self-help, it's that it's very difficult to properly refute someone who's quote unquote a self-help guru without getting into a form of just like really nihilistic name calling or character assassination because oftentimes the things that almost everybody is saying is largely the same mm -hmm. when it like I, I've, I've always had this I don't know where I heard this first but it's an idea that's been in my head for a while now is that um, wisdom doesn't change very much throughout the generations mm -hmm. what was wise to do in ancient Samaria is actually still wise to do in modern-day Toronto Largely. Yeah, yeah not, we're not talking about the specific. You're talking about the foundational broad well, strokes even, about yeah, the approach but even life. some of the specifics at those broad strokes, like even like things like, um, like, I mean, deciding, I mean, just the simplistic idea of being just slightly more optimistic than, than you are pessimistic. Yeah. That would have served you well. Again, in any, any, you pick any part of history where as long as you can temper it with reality, you're not like, everything is beautiful in the middle of a war you know but, no, but i i do consider that like foundational yeah that's, yeah, a, that's like, a life yeah exactly exactly those, right? like yeah, those, having gratitude yes being optimistic mm. uh, uh being um, intentional with the things that, or, or trying to putting an effort forward to be more intentional with what you do right yeah like not don't just don't just do something do it with the intent of having it get you the effect right be goal oriented yeah, yeah be yeah. measuring weight like there's there's, there's, certain, there's certain principles that i think are always the same in terms of wisdom but I think what really makes it difficult to apply these and this is something that I've been kind of considering as a mental model is consider this when you go to the gym you are working a physical part of your body there's so much feedback that you can take in for something like your physical body you mm. have mirrors I can look at myself in the mirror I can see the I can see the weight I can feel the weight I can get tons I can get people to show me where my form is off I can get people to show me what I'm doing and I can very easily, very, uh, not very easy, but I can, for example, let's say I just sub suspended my disbelief for six months and just went through the actions with the, with the mirror feedback and the personal feedback. Mm -hmm. After six months, I can see a marked change if we did everything right. You know, assuming that you got your diet right and your workout right. Yeah. Now put that same concept to something like improving your attitude or being more optimistic or being more grateful. It's like yeah. you're 
dealing with something that doesn't have any physical form. So even if you're telling yourself to be more grateful, you don't have the mirror to show you, oh, that's what it looks like. You know what I mean? It, you, and often your feedback is going to be from your environment. It's going to be by others. Exactly. And, and, exactly. And, you, and you can kind of rise and fall to an extent based off that in, in terms of if you have the right people around you who are like actually notice the change and then yeah. comment on it. Boom. It's huge. And if you have like brain dead people around you who've, or, or just or people, people just don't like you. People want to see you not succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's funny. It's like I remember uh, uh, when I was younger and I was going through the, the, the way my personality works uh, or it's traditionally worked is like I don't change in increments. I change in like huge jumps very quickly and then mm -hmm. I kind of steady off and then huge yeah. like it's so um, I remember getting so frustrated because like I would change drastically in the space of like a couple of weeks or something. And so it's not reasonable to expect people to think of me differently. Mm -hmm. and, and and so then when like those few weeks later, like my, I don't know, let's say my mom would treat me as if I was still that person just a few weeks back. Yeah. I'd get so enraged and like so frustrated <laughs> and it almost made me regress a bit because then I was just yeah. like, you know, you're treating me like so, that guy all those weeks ago, you know, yeah. so uh, yeah. A different person. Yeah. I've yeah. sworn things off. And dude, just to add to that even further. So you have the concept of you have to get the stimuli from the environment, but you're mm. also competing with the fact that while you're doing these things on a mental level, above that mental intent, so you have like an intentional level. I intend to do X, Y, Z, or with self-help stuff, they'll give you exercise. I intend to journal, I intend to do this, I intend to meditate, I intend to do these things, right? So meditation and journaling are actually two physical examples that show you have something physical to show for it, but a lot of them you don't. A lot of them it's like, you know, even like if you're doing your visual, like the visualization people say you should do your visualizations, right? Even those, you don't have, it's very hard to get somebody to look at what you're doing and say, oh, this you're doing right, this you're doing wrong. And then when you add to that, that you're doing these things on an intentional thought-based level, you have that like as a baseline, and on top of that, you're living your life. Mm -hmm. This isn't like the gym, you can put everything else away, I'm only doing gym for a moment. But you can never really put your whole life on hold and stop your perceptive process. So while all this stuff is happening, you also have the top layer of an emotional reaction to whatever the hell is going on, your mood in general, all this stuff. So it's like, one of the things, that, just what I want to point out there is, from a actual like perspective of how difficult it might be to make changes internally in your thought processes and your beliefs and your things like this, I think we are oversold on how easy it is and we're undersold on how much internal work this might be to try and figure it out until you, until you get some proficiency with it because again, you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't taste it, you, you can feel it sometimes when it's working right but not always. <coughs> oh, he's been holding that one in for a long, that was like, <laughs> I wanted you to say everything, but it got to the point. Where no, it was no, like... it was good. I think it was mostly done. But yeah, just it, it's that concept. Of, it just trips me out sometimes when I think about it. How it is. It's it's so it's so difficult for us to even know ourselves and know what we're doing. And then you have other people trying to tell you how to improve this stuff. It's very easy for us to miss the mark. I think it's very mm. easy for things to get overly simplified. And I think, in general, one of the biggest problems is that we, we've kind of looked, at least in the self-development industry, they've looked for the things that maximize initial emotional change, and those are things that got the most popular. Because even if you look at things like 
the Jordan Peterson, the Manosphere people, but even beyond the Manosphere, I'd say look at certain like uh, business opportunity people like the Russell Brunsons, the Dean Graziosi's, the uh, the other people who want to sell you on like how to make uh, Jordan Belfort's, whatever, right? right? Yeah, These yeah. people, it's like they've gotten to this point where um, they understand that they want to give you the biggest hit and sometimes the biggest hit comes from being part of a group and part of being like, oh, these people are wrong and we're right. Mm-hmm. But without actually doing the substantial work of like, okay, now how do you actually start to view things differently? How do you actually learn to build on a system that you can't, you, you can't stop time. You can't stop yourself and build on yourself. You're always going to be live. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you've, you, you've adopted an identity without putting the work to actually have occupy yes. that identity yes. to get there naturally, organically. And, and I think that's the, that's the flip side of what a lot of people experience with self-help and why a lot of people, they'll do it a little bit and then they'll get sick of it is because when you adopt the, you adopt the identity, there is some value in that because now you're telling yourself, hey, I'm going to continue to look at things through this lens. But if you don't do it the proper way, because listen, if I tell somebody to go do a deadlift, and they've never done a deadlift before. Of course, there's a large chance they're going to do it wrong and hurt themselves. Yeah. It's the same thing with this. When you start doing this mind stuff, you try and take on a, a mindset. Maybe, or, you know, Jordan Belfort tells you, you got to go after everything you want. And you take that to mean, okay, so at work, there's this girl. And I'm just going to watch up to her in the middle of the workday and just tell her, hey, I want to ask you out. I'm going after it. And you're like, you're an idiot. Hmm. No, don't do that. That's yeah. not what he meant. That's not how you that's do how this. That's how you right? lose your job. <laughs> yeah, that's how you lose your job. That's how you, you, you basically sexually harass a coworker in the middle of her work. They're like, please don't do that, right? Yeah. Um, but somebody takes it to mean that and then they, do, they go do wrong. And I think what you see with a lot of the times is a lot of people, they, they, they try the self-help stuff. It, they do it for a week. It doesn't work. And then you have a huge portion of people who are now jaded, angry, and in some ways, ironically, more open to the next person to come in and solve their problem by talking smack about the person that didn't work for them and giving them a new system. Yeah, or the people who step off completely, the, the self-help train, um, they, and they become so jaded and cynical that um, they try to ruin the project for everybody. Yeah. Right, like where, and I, I think um, what we talked about earlier with the marketing aspect is also definitely adds a, a massive degree of cynicism as well. Um, but like all of that put together, yeah, it, it's this weird thing of you've got super cynics, uh, you've got like, you know, almost like zombie-like adherents, and then you've got this huge middle ground, I think, which is where, like you said, most people probably occupy where they're, they dabble, they jump in and out, yeah. they, they do it a bit, they get some success, but then they fizzle out eventually and they get discouraged and... So yeah. there's one more thing to remember that thing with like you have the, the baseline of and then you have the emotions on top. Mm. I forgot there's another thing that's really important too is we all have our beliefs that we've inherited from our social structure. Mm-hmm. So sometimes and, and I see this a lot with the money making ones, is like you have people legitimately in a lot of these money making courses, they all talk about like your money beliefs, right? And it it sounds like the stupid like fr- when you first hear it, it sounds so stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to learn to believe that I can make a lot. Like, shut up. Help me make money. No, I didn't. I don't like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, You're supposed mm-hmm. to show me how to make money, not tell me like, well, first you have to believe that you can have a $10,000 day and then mm. you can have a $1,000 day. And it's like on the one hand, you see this stuff as complete baloney. But on the other hand, you, if you actually do the inner work and look at like what goes on inside, you can see how people um, will have 
insecurity issues and a lack of the people's confidence will break. And I think a, a great way to look at this is even like with anybody listening right now, consider this, um, and, but consider it truly. If somebody offered you, if one of your friends said, hey, my company has a new opening, it's for a position a little bit senior than yours, mm-hmm. but they're offering three times as much. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable jumping in for that? Are you like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because, because in our money beliefs, there's a belief that you must be worth a certain amount. And if you've been making 60K your whole life and now somebody said, offers you a job for 180, you might be like, I don't know that I can actually do that job well enough. Not from a, like, you can look at it from a cynical perspective of like, you know, oh, if, like this person's just like, uh, they just don't like, I don't know, they're, they're lazy or they don't want to do it. But you can also look at it from like an actual empathetic perspective. Like, yeah, maybe this person's now asked, like question themselves. They've said they want a million dollars. Here's an opportunity to get a quarter of that every year, and they're just like, ugh. Yeah. Am um, I actually? Do I have? Do I have the the, the the ability? The reason I was smiling there is, and I hope we don't get too far adrift. Oh, sidetrack. Let's go. B- but it's it, it reminded me of, of of dating. We'll we'll, we'll get darker <laughs> in in a in a in a, in, a, in the next podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, in in dating life, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes on a good night out, you end up talking and having a good time um, socially with a very attractive lady. In the moment, you've maybe had a few drinks and you've got the confidence going. Maybe you've talked to some other girls earlier that night. Whatever it is, like your confidence is high and you talk to her. But then, and, and, and then, you know, this, this is not just like, oh, you're trying to hook up with a girl. Like, oh, you actually, things went well and you're hoping to date that girl. Mm-hmm. And that night, you're like, yeah, I've... I, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. Um, but by the next day, you've sobered up, like that, that confidence and that energy and that vibe is gone. And then you're just like, oh, that's just a very impressive chick. And, and, and uh, you know, it's just right there in front of you. You've got her number and everything. And you almost self-sabotage. You just don't mm. contact her. You let it fizzle out some way because you actually don't, you <laughs> actually are not ready for, for a lady that has got everything like, uh, uh, in some ways, everything that that she you, you might want in a lady, where yeah. she's attractive and well put together and has a good job, and you're just like, Jesus, she might have a better job than me, and she might like, you know, is she still gonna find me attractive when I'm just normal and not like, mm-hmm. you know, sauced up and confident? So it's like, uh, well, there's yeah. an easy solution. You just get drunk every time you see her. Become a easy functioning solution. alcoholic. Yeah, like what? you know what. <laughs> If there's one takeaway, if there's one take something you should take away from this podcast is, if you can become a functioning, a highly functioning alcoholic, a very highly functioning, this can alcoholic. solve most of your problems. Yes, or cause bigger problems, especially with your liver. Mm. But who cares? Life's transient. But you anyway. know, build resilience in the liver as opposed <laughs> to worry about that. Um, no, but you're absolutely right. That's exactly it. It's like you start to question yourself, and I think that's a great example because for some people, it's a lot harder for them to think. Oh, I like for a lot of people, it's like. The thought of actually turning down money for some people is like, I would never turn down money. But mm-hmm. you, when you actually get in those situations, like, oh man, same with the relationship. Oh, I'd yeah. never turn down a great relationship. And they're like, oh man, what if like, because the, I think the other part that we have to understand is that a hu- as human beings, and this is something we all need to understand about ourselves. Yes, human beings want pleasure, but I think most of us are better at avoiding pain. Mm-hmm. And so if you lose your 60K a year job, eh, eh, okay, go get another one. If you get that 100K, like 180K, like you get three times as much and then you lose that one, ooh, 
Ow, that hurts. That's not fun. You lose the girl who you're kind of whatever about. Okay, it's it's uncomfortable. You know, you had a breakup, whatever. But imagine like breaking up with the girl of your dreams after just a little bit. She's like, no, you know what? I thought you were cool. Yeah. You suck. (laughs) You're lame. I hate you. It was boring. I faked every orgasm. That would hurt. That would hurt a lot more. That would be a lot. That would be like a a serious. And so, I mean, this is just another thing that we have to be aware of is like whenever you're trying to change something within yourself, you have to have the self-awareness to see where you actually have these weaknesses and how they present themselves in your life. And then how do you, whenever you can consciously or even build up maybe a subconscious defense mechanism where you don't fall for that stuff. Yeah, because sometimes it doesn't even take, like I, I, the example I drew up is like, you had that initial success and mm-hmm. then you self-sabotage. Yeah. There, there are instances, I know, you even saw me <laughs> in, in, in some of these instances like in the, during the summer where it's, it's much more immediate like self-sabotage where it's just like, um, I would, I, 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 I might be, telling you like oh it'd be nice you know if some once in a while like guys didn't always have to approach a lady and a lady yeah. approached a guy and then that happened and i didn't know what the <laughs> fuck to do i was just like oh my god this is i need to get out of here like i <laughs> that was funny that was a, yeah so so yeah it's it it can really vary in in in, in like it can be an immediate like self-combustion and it can yeah. be a longer term like oh, i'm not good enough kind of thing it can mindset is is huge it's everything actually yeah. right because like that's that that's your lens to the world yeah uh and that's why it's so hard because it's like you literally have to change the lens that you're looking at life through but this lens is already the like it's like it and that this is i mean we can look at the for me i think there's two things that we really touched on here that are really important is like you can look at the problem with self-help as an industry as a as an external thing that people are interacting with, but you can look at it on the internal level of something that you are interacting with to try and be better. And that's where I think not enough attention and time is paid to the fact that this is not an easy endeavor. I think that's the biggest disservice that we did. And I think in part it's the marketing side, but in part it's also us is like, we try to make it very easy. And the truth is when it works, it feels like it was easy as hell. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? When you, and, and this is another thing that I think, like what you said before about how you would have these long plateaus then change within a week. So I mentioned this in another podcast, but now I remember what book it was. It's called Mastery by George Leonard. Mm-hmm. Amazing read, hugely, I recommend it to everybody. It's actually a great read. Um, and it talks about how the, 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 the journey to mastery is never a consistent rise. It's always a plateau with a big break, with like a breakthrough and then another plateau and a big breakthrough. And I mean, he, I think in the book he talks mostly about like, you know, high performance athletes, high performance skills, like skill acquisition and that skill acquisition is like that. But I think that life also takes that toll a lot of times because even the things that you're doing with your mindset are a form of skill acquisition. Mm-hmm. It's a skill to train yourself to be continuously thinking of taking intentful action. It's a skill to train yourself to continuously choose to see things through the right light. It's a skill to continuously decide what you believe about yourself rather than taking from what others believe about you, right? These are, these yeah. are things, these are things that are active skills. So it makes perfect sense that you have these plateaus and these peaks and these plateaus and these peaks. And I think what ends up happening a lot of time and what really skews the data on how people interact with the self-help community is that people will see these people who go to a seminar and it changes their life. I want to go to a seminar. I want to have it change my life. I've been to a bunch of seminars. I don't think a single seminar has really changed my life so far. 
Mm -hmm. But is it because the seminars change your life? Or is it because if you get 85,000 people in a room in front of Tony Robbins, at least some of them in terms of their path are like just before the breakthrough. And then this shoots them up. Yeah. Versus yeah, yeah. people who are on the plateau, it helps. It's still good. You're still moving in the right direction. But you can't expect to just go to every seminar and every seminar you're like, oh my God. Like, you know? Yeah. I, I like the way you put it in terms of the... Uh internal skill, skills acquisition because most people view skills as something that you're actively learning something new like you're getting in mm. new information or you're t learning a new technique whether it's physical or or psych or, or 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 mental but even the mental is like oh i'm learning math or whatever it might be right but mm -hmm. some of the most important skill acquisition is none of that it's nothing external coming in it's lit or it's everything to do with the internal and how you respond to the external as opposed to it coming in and, and teaching you something new. Um, and, and so I, I, that's kind of the core of self-help, actually. It's like it's just flipping the school's ac skills acquisition. It's like, no, you don't need some, you don't need money to do this course. You don't, I mean, like, of course, a lot of the cynical stuff of like, yeah, buy my ebook or buy my, sure, all of that's there. But quality self-help, flips it in that like you don't have to go do that thing you can focus on yourself and focus on how you respond to the world how you how you approach everyday uh, things to make your life feel a lot better and a lot more manageable and that's what is going to be most important for the vast majority of people like uh, uh, of course if, if, if you can get like savvy business advice through this stuff that's great and all the other all the other stuff can be important but just the baseline every man he has certain challenges right yeah. in the modern world he's possibly does not really have religion as a force of comfort anymore so he has to face the fact that he is going to die that his family members are going to die that illness and suffering is there in the world the fact that you're most likely never going to become somebody of like great note or somebody that's really really going to break through in a way that changes the world, right? Everybody wants to change the world, but not everybody can, and most will not in any larger scale way, at least. Um, they probably can't do their dream job and stuff like that. Like, there's so many things, and you've got anxiety, you've got modern dating, which is like this whole other complicated thing, um, and so on and so forth. So with all of that, like, coming your way, you need something to just make all that manageable. And there's nothing external unless you suddenly just get somebody drops like a billion dollars at your doorstep and like takes care of everything in your life. Mm -hmm. And even then you're, you know, you're, you're still like, uh, at, at the mercy of the next banana peel in your life. Yeah. Um, but if internally you make yourself resilient and, and, and able to weather what comes your way and keep the attitude positive and stuff, then, then you're really golden. Right. And that, that, that's the most important thing here. It's, it's, the skill of weathering the storm that is everybody's life. It yeah. just is. Yeah. Um, and still getting some sunshine out of it, right? So, yeah, it's... Maximizing it's, the sunshine. Yeah, tanning your balls. Yes, and taint, but not, not, not butthole. You know I think, what? You, I think you the, took it up an extra notch, and I appreciate butthole that. The butthole people are part of a cult. The taint in balls is, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Things uh -huh. you didn't know were in the manosphere for 400? <laughs> yeah. Someone out there is, is going to be introduced to the idea of like, people sun their balls, really? Google it. Yeah. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> if you learn nothing else from this one, this is what you learn. Yeah, I mean, like, 
<laughs> I think so much of the manosphere is is misguided and toxic, but it's also something that I'll still dabble into yeah. just because it's interesting. Like you still get you 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 get a sense of the male landscape, even because if somebody gets popular, even if you don't necessarily like a lot of what they're saying, the fact that they've gotten popular says something about the landscape for the modern man. Yeah, and I, I I find I, it interesting. I will always, I think, have a soft spot for it and love yeah. it because even though I agree with you, I think most of it is bullshit. I think because they've taken such a highly aggressive stance, they can say certain things that 99.999% of other people cannot say that are true, that are problems yeah. that they can bring up. But then they're also, the rest of the stuff they say is insane. Actually, we had, we, I had a, so I have a friend of mine he hates Andrew Tate. Oh my God, this guy cannot stand. He like, I don't know what it is. We joke around about it, but he absolutely like despises him. Yeah. And recently his stuff has, Andrew Tate's stuff has been everywhere. So he's like seeing it everywhere. And like he was putting up, we have this group chat, he's putting up all this stuff. He's like, look at this idiot. This guy's such an idiot. Everything that comes out of his mouth is bullshit and this and that. And then, and I'm like, you know, like I agree with you mostly, but he said some things that actually like are, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you typically don't get that, uh, popular without at least touching upon some social ills or some social issues or some yeah. something that is wrong what? and then you, yeah. you you might overreach in your in, in your solution but you're clearly like hitting upon something and yeah. I will give him that like and, and and he yeah he can be obviously very amusing to listen to I've seen certain mm -hmm. clips of his and stuff so yeah. yeah part of it is charisma but part of it is that you're still touching upon something real oh 100% and so we, we share this one clip and I'm like, there's, there's sometimes he says good things, like never, point out one. And there was this one clip, I forget what, the exact clip, but basically, and this isn't just something that Andrew Chita said, this is something that a number of people pointed out, but they point out the fact that like, people right now have this idea that like, the existence of men is this like, like we're all dominating and oppressing everybody and, and just, you know, doing whatever the hell we want. And he points At out the fact you, that- At you, least you could, you could say maybe the cis white male- well, Cartoon. He, he kind points. Of, yeah. He points out that you know this idea that men are just going around doing whatever the hell they want is like it's valid for the men who have power, mm -hmm. but a lot of men don't. Yeah. And so they work a shit job. They hate their life. They're not in a great relationship. They don't have money. They don't have this. They don't have that. And so when you tell that man that he has everything going, he's oh, every society loves him and everything's going for him. And everybody else around him is more oppressed than him. And he's kind of like, no, my life sucks. My life is, is, is it's, it's not a walking nightmare, but there's nothing about this that's like this glamorous, oh, I walk into a room and people just listen to me and things like that. It's like, yeah, yeah. And him pointing out that a large majority, uh, not maybe not a large majority, but a, a large enough portion of men out there do not live this existence of like privilege and all this stuff. They live in existence of shitty quiet desperation mm -hmm. is very true we've known this is something that's been a fact for a very long time this is not something that's new but again he uses that he'll champion that you don't see people talking about that as often elsewhere but then he'll also go off on the the other end and start telling you that everybody who owns a cat is a crazy radical feminist and you're just like andrew shut up <laughs> but i mean i understand he, yeah. it, it gets him the views it gets him stuff i still think he's entertaining to listen to sometimes especially, yeah, yeah. especially next to the right people who kind of give him some shit for what he's saying like when he was on the um what's it called the your mother's podcast or whatever the your mother's base or, or your mom's house your mom's house with yeah. tom segura and his wife yeah, yeah so like that was a great one like, you know what i mean so there's times when he can be okay but i love 
I love personally the crazies because often the crazies will say things nobody else is allowed to say and usually they're saying stuff that's just absolutely stupid but they also tend to be the first one to say something that's a taboo topic. Yeah, it, that we're it, it shows later. a vacuum that is being created uh, in modern discourse as a result of whatever you want to say, uh, like kind of social mob justice or mm-hmm. uh, um, certain kind of you know browbeating and badgering by the mainstream media yeah. or what, what, whatever whatever it is, whatever has caused it, and you know some of it might just be misguided res- resentment by certain a certain section of males and that's definitely there too mm-hmm. uh but all that mix has led to certain topics aren't being talked about the right way so then when they're talked about even if the wrong way but at least they're being talked about yeah uh uh people have a hunger for it yeah. in a way that even you and i we can we, we can recognize that like yeah this guy is <laughs> unhealthy like this is this is not the recipe for a good life but it's kind of amusing and you want to listen to it once oh, yeah, in a while like some, some yeah, dark part fun. of you is just yeah. like yeah this is it's entertaining and so, yeah, that, 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 is a, that does illustrate a failing in, in uh, modern discourse mm-hmm. more broadly. Um, but, yeah, going back to self-help, is there something that... Because I feel like you are more well-versed in the self-help space. I spent a lot of time in the self-help world. <laughs> what, what have we not touched on that you think is uh, missing from the conversation? I don't know. I think we got most of it. I think that the, the biggest thing is just this concept of, like... Take a look around and remember. Like, I think the biggest pitfalls for self-help are falling into idol worship, are falling into, um, are just letting one concept kind of color everything. I think if you, and I mean, there are first principles. You can get down to the first principles of like anything and understand how to improve your life. But mm-hmm. um, be wary of people who tell you that they have the full solution and, and just be willing to try out a lot of different stuff and read a lot of stuff and, and understand that the 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 journey of change like now we call it self-help but there was a time when it was just like you know you thought of it as like character development you developed character mm-hmm. we've we now value we live in a society now where in a lot of ways we value the result more than we value the process the process and the person who, and, and and the person who got that result you know whereas mm-hmm. you know even if you look at self-development literature 100 200 years ago it was a lot more about you know changing who you were as a person, um, and being more generous, being more this, being more that. There was a little bit of almost like a spiritual aspect to it. I think back in the day it was a lot more in. And I mean, if you think about it from a you know kind of a sociological standpoint, maybe back then self help had to be more in line with the church because the church was the big you know social market. Yeah. So if yeah, you yeah. said something too against the church, they shut you down. Mm-hmm. But um, you know you can look at it less as because I think. You can look at self-development as something that you do specifically to get a goal. Oh, I want girls, so I'm going to work on my confidence and on my ability to speak with them. Or I want money, so I'm going to learn how to build a business and I'm going to do this. Or you can look at it as like, I want to be, a, the, I want to be the kind of person who is intelligent enough and has the skills enough to build a business and who is confident enough and who is uh, you know, um, charismatic enough to meet people wherever I go. You can look at it as like an internal build. And I just think that's the biggest thing is like, to avoid the idol worship and to avoid falling for somebody's system. Remember, there's 10 million systems. All of them can work. All mm-hmm. of them can shit the bed. And at the end of the day, you're building the version of you that you would like. Like 
you're, you're basically building your best character. I, I like to think of it a lot as like, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons video analogy. Game? Oh, okay, video yeah. game? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or gaming in general. Gaming, yeah, same yeah. thing. The yeah, video yeah. games came from the Dungeons and Dragons. You have a character. You have your strength points, your this points, and your skills, and you're trying to maximize this person to be the best, you know, to, to have the best game that you can have. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just... And you're all different types of characters, right? So you're going to have ceilings, but you'll yeah. maxi maximize whatever skill points you can in with, yeah. within each category. Yeah. Um, just one little sympathetic word for the idol worship is uh, not not that I then encourage it. Just unless it's worshiping us, the cult is gone. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's that if somebody's through somebody's words, your life changes drastically for the better. Yeah, on some level, you love them and you want to yes. give them like your devotion and support. That's just. It's, it's why people get behind religious figures or cult figures or, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, mystics and, 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 and like e even in, in um, meditation in, in India and stuff, you've got these people who become gurus that everybody kind of like follows pseudo worships. And stuff, yeah. and stuff. So it's, it's I get it on that level. Um, don't do it, but I get it. It's just, it's such it's such a it's such a draw to. And you, to I, I would even, I would even like personally. I don't necessarily think that that is wrong in and of itself for of time. I, I, know, I, give it a shot for for me. It out. <laughs> admiration is a cool quality. Yeah. But worship is where it becomes unhealthy. It's it's, yeah. it's the point of like. It 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 it, it, it somehow you, it, you short circuit a part of you to to get to worship. See, Otherwise, is, yeah. like because there are people that I really really think are great and I really like, but at that point I can still be like, ah, oh, yeah, but why did they say that? Or like even like some of the people that we've without going naming names, but like there's some people in this podcast that we've talked about with, you know, when we say something a bit negative about them, which we actually we both admire in many regards as well, right? Mm -hmm. So that. Getting to the point of admiration, I think, is great, but becoming like, you know, I'm a fan, or I'm, a, or you know, that that that's when it starts to go like a little bit brain dead, because then it's, again, it it it, it comes down to um, what we discussed during the fandom podcast, where then it's your part of your identity. Yes. Uh, like p part of how I view myself is me plus me being a follower of X figure or Y yeah. figure and and everything that he he. Uh, suggests I, uh, I do. So uh, anyway, that, 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 that's a small point. This the, is, sorry, just, just on that, I think yeah. it's kind of interesting because I actually think, and this might sound completely counter to what we've been saying up till now, but I actually think there's great value in taking sojourns in that kind of stuff. I think, because I, mm -hmm. I could specifically, when I, was a, when I was a very uncharismatic man, well, I guess not very uncharismatic, but I used to just struggle with talking to people in certain environments like clubs and bars and stuff like that. That was not, it was like, it just, I, I didn't know how to do that in a way where I wasn't just coming off as either a dancing monkey or like a super platonic friend boy to girls. Yeah. And there was a time period in my life where it really helped me to just decide that I no longer have a personality. I'm going to take on the personality of some of the dating gurus and just go for it. And in, an, in as much as I understood this was going to be like a four-week to six-week experiment, uh -huh. it was immensely helpful. And so I do think that there's something to be said. And this is, again, one of the, I think there's a lot of paradoxes in life. Is this paradox of like, on the one hand, you don't want to be that person who goes to Guyana and drinks the Kool-Aid. 
-hmm. On the other hand, if you want to understand what it takes to go to Guyana and drink the Kool-Aid, you have to like join six weeks before that and do it for a little bit and then get out, right? It's, it, and that's yeah. a negative example, but with anything, it's like there's like this idea of like, if you're willing to fully commit into this for a short period of time, you will get so much more from it. Yes. Assuming the person's good who's leading In terms you. of just getting results in certain domains, doing things in, in an unsustainable and unhealthy way can lead to quick results and then you can kind of back off. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't. <laughs> only will, uh, don't or they'll only back off once things start blowing up. Yeah. But like, this is true in terms of exercise as well. I think you do want to push up against your limitations in a way that could potentially set you back. Like, I'm not talking about catastrophic injury or something. Mm -hmm. You know, don't, don't, don't be an idiot. But like, really ramp up your training. Like, do, do a couple of weeks where you're training, like six, seven days a week hard. Maybe doing two a days and stuff. Yeah. Really see what your physical limits are, what you can do. Yeah. And yeah, maybe you're going to fall ill at the end of that mm -hmm. or, or get like some minor strain or something, right? So never training but in But you'll also probably learn where your edge actually is, whereas before you wouldn't know where your edge is. Not only that, but there's something really, it feels great to like go to an extreme in some yeah. way of just like, I'm, this is the process I'm doing, this, I'm seeing it through. Yeah. Even if it's an extremist process. So uh, this is how we slowly plant, plant the seeds for our cult because just, just a few weeks, just a few weeks. Just give it a few weeks. And, By the time uh, you're in the compound, you won't have a <laughs> mind. We'll have you there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's a great note to end on with uh, yeah, just our cult in people's minds. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we've touched upon everything I wanted to. Um, I think there's one other term but I think we've kind of touched, touched on it in different ways is um, main character syndrome where uh, I think this might be also maybe true in more of like certain like self-help but like nerdy-ish communities of like mm -hmm. maybe like you're an anime fan or something because like you know th th I'm definitely uh, in there so I see mm -hmm. like how people are behaving and I, and I think it can lead to something awful when you feel like you're the main character in, um, like in 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 life story in 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 your life story, your main character, right? Like so, it's like the people around you are almost like a surrounding cast to like affirm your life in certain mm -hmm. ways. I think that happens with like extreme narcissists, and then like you hear certain like incels talk, and uh, it's like it feels like their life owes them more than they're getting, and that leads yes. to frustration. So. You know, uh, tying that to self-help, I'll just say, like, you wanted to give you meaning in your life. I think that's the huge part. But you shouldn't conflate that to think that li life somehow owes you more than what you're, you know, getting. Like, you know, you, you get what you put in kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's just a very small little thing. I don't want to, like... That's interesting one. Yeah. I, I, I do want to say I hate calling it main, main character syndrome. Yeah. Because you are the main character and you're, you're the only character who's... Who you have access to the whole time. Everybody else is going okay, to be... You, okay, but, but no, no, whatever. This is, this is anime protagonist, It's a very whatever, minor thing. Syndrome. It's just for me. Sometimes I hate when... I, I just hate it because to me it's like, so you took this concept and you've ascribed it to a negative thing when I feel, I feel like it's about... But I know what you mean. It's like that extreme narcissism. And I think it also speaks to, again, that part of, you know, look around. Don't just look for the stuff that, that validates what you think. Because you're right, with the incels, there is a YouTube uh, documentary. I don't know if it's still up. It was called Sad Boys 
it, mm-hmm. it was like, and it was like at the peak time of like when like the, the pickup community was like really, and it's like these three guys and one of them is just obsessed with looks. And he's like, yeah. And the funniest part is dude's freaking tall. I, if that guy just got a haircut <laughs> and like, like he, I could see that guy doing really well because he's really tall, but he's talking about like, yeah, it's, I have this jawline and I have this and I have that and I'm just ugly. And it's like, you can like, I think the big thing too is just understand where is your intent? Because when people get that main character syndrome, when they get that narcissism, the intent is always self-protection. It's not necessarily self-improvement. Mm-hmm. And that's, a very, that's actually a whole nother can of worms because, underst- and we gave an example of that already with the example of if you were offered more money, would you take it? If you saw, if you met a person who was yeah, great, yeah, like yeah. you met just a great spouse opportunity, would you jump on it? Would you take, like what would you do? Would you slack afterwards? Would you not call them? Is this all just an example of ways that we seek to preserve ourselves rather than improve ourselves? Mm-hmm. And this is, and I think, again, that one YouTube documentary is still up, Sad Boys, I think is so good because, again, the one guy is so convinced, he's so ugly, and you just look at him and you're like, dude, A, you, okay, sh- they cut your hair, he's got long hair, he looks like a grease bag, but cut your stoop, get a, get a good haircut, yeah. And you're fine. You're tall. You're you're gonna you get a good haircut. Get some good clothes on you. You're gonna look like you're gonna actually not look that bad. Like I I don't think you're not you're not like a nine by any standard, but you're definitely not like a five, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of look scale, not the looks even matter that much. But he's so dug into this concept of protecting himself from rejection that he's rejecting himself before anybody else can reject himself. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. this is that part where it's like you know, um, I mean that's an important part too to understand with self help is you can twist these words to become a cage of bullshit instead of something that's just supposed to help you move forward. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, and, but if you're that level of narcissistic, then there's, you know, there's pain in you. There's something you got to get through. You got to go see a therapist. You got to figure that stuff out. Yeah, um, I mean, narcissism isn't necessarily even pain in you. A lot of it is just a sort of like, um, it's like, and I, I don't think this is like, technically true in terms of psychologically speaking mm-hmm. i just view it more in terms of like on a realm towards sociopathy of like your yes of like yes. Your, your your uh yeah you view your you, you, nobody else really exists in a meaningful way in your life right Except so you. yeah so that's not even i i, I completely uh, hear you with the self-protection i think that's probably the yeah. bigger element because it's not like everybody's around us is, is like just a narcissist or like a yeah, functioning they're sociopath. They're just secondary characters to my life. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> whose feelings don't matter. <laughs> well, we believe this because again, the we cult, actually are but, the main characters. But um, <laughs> all right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I think we've said what we yeah what we. Need I'll just to make and... one last point: is that when I say they have pain in them, I mean that from the the psychological perspective of that most people who have these issues are is because of some sort of traumatic hurt in them rather than just. They were just born assholes, mm-hmm. which is possible. I don't know. Oh, I yeah. subscribe oh, yeah. to the view that we're all actually good people and that we're then twisted. But maybe someone's just born like seventy-five percent asshole and twenty-five percent normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, it's possible. That, that's a whole. Are they can of worms? That, that's a whole episode. podcast. But like, uh, <laughs> I are think people I th- good. I think generally the consensus is that it's some mix of the two of of, yeah, of nature and nurture and. Yep. Uh, Yes, yeah, some people actually are born without a conscience, and uh, I envy those people. No. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's call it. I, I think that's we've the said outline I'm trying to, to study. Say. Okay, sounds good. Do you want to wrap it up? <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, that's it for this episode of Life's Difficult. Thank you so much for watching. 
Um, if you like this episode, please sh uh, share it, give us a review, give us a like, whatever else that uh, kind of can help us out and get the word out about this podcast. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Life's Difficult.